Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast, benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide. And let's all of us come together, invest into our Sadaqah Jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Thank you guys so much for coming, uh, especially those of you who are walking in. Please feel free to get some snacks. And there's more tape chairs here and some in the back as well. But first and foremost, I want to say thank you guys so much for coming. Um, I know that you know this is the first time we're doing something like this here in Atlanta. But a lot of you are uh, familiar with Kalam and those of you who are not, uh, Kalam is an educational institution that is based out of Dallas, Texas, alhamdulillah. And what we do and strive for is to provide accessible uh, education, Islamic education for people. So we try to provide Islamic education on as many levels as possible. So whether it be in our full-time program called the seminary or through different podcasts, which apparently this is supposed to become one, hopefully we'll see. Um, it's going to be really awkward when it is a podcast and I say apparently it's going to become one. Um, and then different avenues, like different classes that we offer um, throughout the year, whether it be intensives and things of that nature where people come, they stay for like 10, 15 days um, and learn about different, various different topics. So Alhamdulillah, I'm an Atlanta native, um, which is why when the flyer went out, a lot of people text me asking if I was moving back. The answer is no, I'm not moving back. However, I'm very happy to be able to give back to the community, to be able to be here in the city proper um, and do these programs. So we are starting with a new series and this series called The Purification of the Heart. How many of you guys have heard like this type of, I guess, sentence structure before? Yeah? All right, someone tell me. I love being interactive, by the way. Like that is my, that is my way of teaching. I also really enjoy calling on people. I have a student back there, her name is Mona. And I used to call on her all the time when she was in middle school. So I'm happy to call on her while she's in college now. Alhamdulillah. So I love calling on people. You know, if nobody decides to answer, you know, I have a family on this side of the room, so I'm calling them too. Um, if no one decides to answer, I would definitely call your name. If I know your name, I'll call it. If I don't know your name, I'll give you a lovely name and I'll call you that as well. Okay? So when you hear purification of the heart, what do you think of? Someone tell me. The book? What is the book about? Don't know. Okay. What else? Anybody else? Yeah. Um, I know there are a lot of diseases of the heart, like things simple like our temptations or what our soul wants and like our, our baser desires. So there's things like greed, there's obviously things like that. Our heart, so, and of course, like Islam, 
Very good. So different things that, that Islam advocates for us to work against our base desires, help us to become better people. Very good. Anybody else? I like answers in threes, so I need one more answer. Just one more. Lots, yes, go ahead. Very good. So it is purifying your heart is the process of getting rid of certain illnesses or elements that get in the way of your relationship between you and God. You guys got it. We might as well all go home. No? Okay. But it is. This is the answer. The answer is that it is a very important science that is studied throughout our tradition because of the simple fact that it is something that's imperative to your life, right? The purification of the heart is the betterment of the person. It is the development of the being. It is someone recognizing their relationship between them and Allah and how that has such importance that they will go above and beyond to make sure that their heart is clean. Now, sometimes when we think about somebody having a clean heart or we say that this person is pure, or we say that somebody is like um, pure, having a clean heart, we always think about the most ideal human in our life or someone we may know or someone we may idolize. But Allah gave each and every single one of us a heart, right? And he gave each and every single one of us the ability to come into our best form. That every single human being Allah tells us that that he has made every single human being honorable, right? And it's up to you to come into that honor. And part of coming into that honor is how you interact with people, is how you think about yourself, is how you think about your relationship between you and Allah. It is imperative to recognize that it is everyone's individual responsibility to know the science of the purification of the heart. So in our religion, we have two types of response, two levels, you would say, of responsibility overall. The first level, what is called fad kifaya, it is a communal responsibility. That means if one person in the community does it, then you're good. Does that make sense? For example, if someone passes away, it is a fad kifaya that one person in the community prays janazah on the person that passed away. Every single person does not have to do that. Does that make sense? Fad ayin is when it is every individual's responsibility to fulfill something, right? You praying on time or praying every day when it's responsible, when it's uh, something that is required of you, that is considered to be a fad ayin, right? So Imam al-Ghazali, who was an 11th century scholar, he says that the pure learning about the purification of the heart or the mechanisms and the mechanics of the heart is something that's considered to be a fad ayin. It is something that is considered to be obligatory on every single person simply because that is about you and your relationship between you and Allah, right? And when we look into the tradition and the narrations of the Prophet the Prophet also shows us that importance. The Prophet says in the narration, Inna Allah la yanduru ila that God does not look at your makeup. Like he doesn't look at the clothes that you wear, he doesn't look at your body type. He doesn't look at how you decide to beautify yourself. That's not what Allah SWT is concerned with. Well, I'm and Allah SWT is not concerned about your wealth, right? Your money and like 
how do you make your house as nice as possible, what type of car that you're driving. This is not what Los Mercado is going to ask. He's not going to take you and say, like, okay, whoever has the nicest car, that person is going to Jenna. Whoever has the best clothes, that person is going to Jenna. That's not the case. This is not what God is looking at. Then the Prophet says, well, that rather Allah SWT looks at your hearts, and he looks at your actions. And the, the sentence structure here is very beautiful because sometimes we don't recognize the weight that our hearts have on us, right? A lot of times we look at the heart as just the area of like, you know, emotional thinking, right? This is where I feel this in my heart, so I'm going to act upon it. Or I feel this way. And you feel like that's here. And then the way of logic, you will probably place it here, right? But Allah SWT tells us that actually, aqal, logic, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later today in the session, is actually in your heart, right? That that is your leading way. And so Allah SWT is telling us, that the Prophet is telling us that Allah SWT looks at your heart and your actions because your heart then helps you to act upon what you need to do, right? That is a gateway. It is a part of a leading force, a driving force to where you need to go. So when we look at this narration, we see the importance of it, that we'll stand before Allah, and the first thing and what Allah is going to be most concerned with is our heart. And what does that mean, though, is that we have to look into the word, uh, the Arabic word of heart. And that Arabic word is, anybody know? Qalb. Very good. Qalb means what? Anybody? Heart, what else? Yeah. Very good. It means to flip back and forth. So Arabic language, pretty cool. I am notorious for being um, overly honest. Learning Arabic was not my, my funnest time in life. I would say that. Okay. However, I love the gems that come out of it. So I'm an Arabic nerd up until the extent of the gems. Anything outside of that? Go ask an Arabic teacher, and that's not me. Okay, so go. The way that the Arabic language works is that there, each word has a root letter, and those root letters actually, um, whenever they're conjugated, then they can have some type of meaning or some type of connection. Does that make sense? So, for example, rahim it means the womb, right? It also means something that is covered, and it also means mercy. Does that make sense? So these are all things that are connected to one another. The word qalb, it comes from the root of understanding either the center of something. It, it can also mean something that is turned, and it can also mean to turn up, upside down, like it itself turns upside down. And it's very beautiful because what we're understanding of the heart is that it has a lot of importance, but it's not stagnant, right? So. Someone doesn't wake up and have an ill heart, and then they stay in that illness forever. Similarly, someone doesn't wake up and have a pure heart and then stay in that pureness forever either, right? The way that things turn, twist and turn, is by effort, right? So if something goes one way, it's because you put in the effort for it to go that way. If something goes an opposite way, it's because you put in the effort for it to go the opposite way. Does that make sense? Think of a steering wheel. Atlanta drivers, I don't believe that they're Atlanta drivers. I think it's all these people that moved to Atlanta, side note, don't know how to drive, and then now they're like, you know. But people like to not put their hand on the steering wheel. So what happens? The car goes what? Out of control. You're going into everybody's lane. You don't, you're not 
being consistent. You're not being straight. You're not going where you need to go. You're not staying where it needs to be, where you need to stay. That is our hearts, right? If we are not invested in making ourselves better, and we're not invested in the purification of our heart, then we will allow for our, what's called nafs, our self that wants every single thing to just run as wild, right? And you will then be the type of person that has difficulties in every aspect of your life, where it be relationships with yourself, with other people, with your family, your relationship with God, all of those things. Why? Because you're only chasing after yourself and you're just going wherever, wherever the wind takes you, right? So that stability that we have or that stability that we're, take, we're seeking is by the stabilization of our hearts. This is why the Prophet ﷺ himself, he used to make a dua and he used to make this dua very consistently. And this dua that he used to make was, Ya Muqallib al-Qulubi, that oh, the one who's the turner of the hearts, subbit qalbi ala dinik, then firmly place my heart on your way of life, right? For make it stable in the way that you want me to live, right? Deen is like, we, we translate it as religion a lot, but it's way of life. It is every aspect of your life. It is how you wake up in the morning, it is how you go to sleep at night. It is what you say when you see people. It is what you eat, what you don't eat. It is how you dress. You know, it is every aspect of your life. And so Allah SWT tells us that the most beloved or the only deen or way of life that God considers to be the true way of life is Al-Islam. And that is your submission to Allah, right? And so when we make this dua, like the Prophet made it, what we're asking Allah SWT to do is to allow us to constantly and consistently be in the way that he wants us to exist. Constantly and consistently live our life in the way that he wants us to live our life. It's so important to recognize that, you know, every aspect of your being is something that God gave you. And it's a mercy, you know? There's difficulties, obviously, because that's life. And the best part of those difficulties is you're turning back to Allah and recognizing that those times are hard and Allah can help you see you through it, right? But Allah SWT gave you your bodies, He gave you who you are, He gave you your personality, your being, and all of it's considered to be a trust. And now you have to ask yourself, with this heart of mine and what God has given me, how am I going to fulfill the trust that God has given me? I like to view Allah SWT, as I hope we all do, as being very merciful and very kind and very loving and not setting this up for failure. Right? Even though sometimes difficulties happen, you're like, man, I could have avoided this by just taking this, this other term, but like, didn't happen, right? And if that's the case, then we're talking about the importance of the heart and the importance of learning about these illnesses and how to rip them. Then obviously, Allah SWT has provided us with mechanisms and different things for us to be able to keep ourselves in check, for us to be able to purify our hearts. Now, when we talk about, when we ask ourselves, what is the spiritual connection or what is the spiritual, people say implication, because we keep saying heart, heart, heart. It's not, I hope you guys got it by now, that it's not the physical heart. How many of you thought it was the physical heart? Thank you. Thank you. Kind of. It's not the physical heart. It is a metaphysical or spiritual heart, as we would say, right? So the Prophet says about this that in nafi jasadi mudla, 
that indeed inside of the body, there is this morsel of flesh. If that thing is considered to be pure, if it's sound, if it's clear, then the entire body will be pure, it'll be sound, it'll be clear. But if it's the case that it's corrupt, or you would say corrupt, maybe diseased or ill-mannered, then the entire body will be corrupt, it'll be diseased, it'll be ill-mannered. He says, and this is the heart. And what the Prophet is telling us is that, listen, the heart is a driving force. And it being a driving force, you have to take care of it and figure out what are you feeding it, right? I believe that, and this is something that we learn from our tradition and from different narrations and things of that nature, that whatever you feed your soul, that is what you're going to continue to take in. And that's how you're going to act, right? You ever watch too much of a TV show and then all of a sudden you feel like you're kind of the TV show characters? I'm not going to expose anybody here, okay? So I'm not going to name a show. But you feel like that, right? Or maybe, you know, you for those of you who like reading, I don't know if many people still read novels and things of that nature anymore, but you ever read like too much of the same author and then all of a sudden you, you find yourself like being a little different you know, you're picking up on the characters that the author has written about, and now you're like becoming a different, this is called feeding your soul, right? So what you feed yourself is how you'll end up acting. What you feed your heart is how your body will then react to. That's why the Prophet says, if it's safe and sound and reformed, then the entire body will be safe, sound, and reformed, right? Because we're saying that the heart is not just an emotional force, it is a logical leading uncle. It has some type of reason, right? It's a logical um, leading force. That is why Allah SWT says in the Quran about the, that's why Allah SWT says in the Quran about the, um, about those who disbelieve. And it's interesting because when we talk about disbelievers, a lot of times we say, okay, well, I'm good, right? I'm okay. I believe in Allah. I say la ilaha illallah, so I must, I must be okay. But when Allah SWT is saying this, he's not saying it just for those who disbelieve, but he's also telling us, pay attention to this, right? So this is why Allah SWT says about specifically about those who deny God's blessing, right? They deny the, the signs that Allah SWT has presented. They deny the different things that are outside, right? So like the trees and the ocean and these things that it's very clear that God is the one who created it and no other being or person could have created it. So Allah says, Have you not traveled throughout the land? Okay, this is where we stop a little bit and we understand that traveling is great. You should do it. Get out of your comfort zone, travel, see different cultures, see different people, try different foods, even if you're picky. It's okay. Why? Because God created all of these things for you to be able to explore. And this is one of the things that he says to people who are having a difficult time understanding his oneness and understanding his greatness. So Allah says, You not travel in the land? Right? Have they not traveled through the earth and have hearts that they reason with? Hearts not that they feel with, that they reason. Typically, when we think about logic and reasoning, we say it's void of emotion, right? It's either black and white. Right? 
Well, what Montal is saying here is that the reasoning, it lies here in your heart. And that being is because that's where faith lies, right? Iman is in your heart. And the reason why sometimes maybe Iman doesn't come out and it's not shining or someone may not be able to see it is not because it's not there or it doesn't exist. It's because it's been covered up and veiled by a lot of the illnesses and elements which we're going to talk about throughout this course of this series. So Allah says, Do they not travel through the earth? While they have these hearts that they're able to reason with. Or have ears that they can hear with. Meaning, how can you deny God when there's all these stories, right? And people that are repeating these things. And there's also these prophets that are telling you that Allah has not left you to figure it out. He didn't tell you, you know what? There's just figure out who God is, right? He provides for you an understanding of who Allah is. And then Allah says, That verily it is not that people's eyes are the only things that can become blind, but rather someone's heart their heart that is inside of their chest. And Allah SWT is reiterating it because you all, we obviously know that the heart is where? Inside the chest. This is where you guys answer. So we obviously know that the heart is? Great, I love it. We obviously, <coughs> we obviously know that the heart is inside the chest. So Allah SWT reiterates it, that with hearts that are inside of the chest to specifically emphasize that, listen, this is something that you have to take care of, right? One, to emphasize that blindness, he's not talking about just people that are blind, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the blindness of the heart, that this is a reality. And the blindness of the heart happens when someone is not taking care of it. It happens when you let these illnesses fester, right? Some of these illnesses are things like jealousy. Because why is misplacement of understanding where your blessings come from? Jealousy is to say that someone else got something that you were supposed to have. Well, how do you know you were supposed to have that? How do you know that that was written for you, right? These illnesses turn up in things like being stingy, stinginess. Stinginess stems from people thinking that, oh, this provisions wealth is in my hands. And I say this all the time to my students because I, I like to remind them that social media is not real. And I tell them that social media is the best place to realize that what you put forth is not, does not equate to your actual value, right? That there are people who are far more talented, people who have far bigger goals and things that they want to accomplish, people who have worked far harder, harder in life that do not make half as much as people that make people make on Instagram. So wealth is not in your hands. You put forth your effort, and what Allah SWT gives you is what Allah SWT gives you. And the fact that the Prophet says that someone can give to charity, and they, it, charity would never make you poor, then how come we hold so close to our love? And we make that our God. And this is what we go and we search for, right? Illnesses like hatred, illnesses like being, you know, having what was called uh, lack of husnudan, su'udan, right? Where you think bad of someone and 
Sometimes we think negatively of God. These are all things that cover up our heart. They're all things that put this very dark veil over our faith and they dim our light and they make us not be able to come into our full form and who we have the ability to be. And so when we're talking about the, the reality of purification of the heart, it is because it is absolutely essential and imperative in every aspect of our life to make sure that we are doing best by ourselves, by ourselves, so that we can have the best relationship that we can with Allah. And guess what? When your relationship between you and God is good, your relationship with everybody else is good. And I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm saying you learn how to navigate. All of a sudden, you're not okay with just being all right. You're doing what's better because it's what God asked of you. And it's not a headache. He's not pulling teeth. And sometimes it's hard. Don't get me wrong, but that's where the growth comes in, right? That's where you're able to shine the most. So Allah, he gives us all of this and tells us about doing all of these things, making sure that we are purifying ourselves and being the best that we can. But Allah doesn't leave us hanging. And I say Allah doesn't leave us hanging because Allah gives us two things in our life. He gives us Quran, the word, the speech, the undeniable speech of Allah, and he gives us the way and the life of the Prophet Allah says about the Prophet that without a doubt, most definitely, you will find in the Messenger of Allah a very perfect example, a very perfect role model. And what that means is that the Quran is here to give us our parameters and our, our what, how we're supposed to do things and the where we're supposed to go. It's like a guide. You'll call it a guide. You'll call it a healer. You'll call it everything that you need. And the Prophet shows us the how, right? His life is the literal implementation of the Quran. That when the Prophet passed away, Aisha was approached by a companion. And the companion asked Aisha, tell me how was the Prophet To which Aisha responded, she said, that his way, his personality, how he carried himself, his character was the Quran. So Allah gives us Quran and Sunnah. Allah says in the Quran, Surah Al Anfal, O you who believe, O you who believe. Side note, I like tangents, they're fun for me. I teach a class to a woman's only class. I really enjoy it. It's like one of my favorite things to do every week. Um, on verses that just say, Ya Amanun, O you who believe, verses that address us directly. And I love when my classes match up because it's so fun to see how many ways verses can be implemented in your life and how many ways they fit. So I actually just covered this verse last week and I was preparing for today and I was like, there's a verse, I can't think of it, it's really good. And then I remember it was this one. So Allah SWT approach tells us, he's talking to us very direct. And he says, Ya amanu, all those of you who believe, right? And so when someone addresses you directly, it makes you want to pay more attention. As opposed to somebody say, hey, you. And you're like, oh. Or they say, y'all, everybody come over here. You're like, okay, whatever. You know. But when they call your name and they address you directly, then you're like, oh, it's time for me to pay attention. So Allah one is addressing us directly. Ya eyyuhaladina amanu. Istajibullahu lil rasul. 
that you should answer to Allah and his messenger when they call upon you, when they call you. What are they calling you to? To that which brings you life, to that which nourishes you, to that which makes you better, right? And a lot of the scholars, what they do is they say that this is an analogy because when Allah SWT talks about bringing the earth that was dead to life, a lot of it is talking about reviving the heart. And the heart is revived by faith and it's revived by your belief in Allah and it's revived by the things that Allah SWT and his messenger is calling you to. And that's the reformation of the self. Islam not come to perfect people. Islam came to people who had to reform themselves, to people who had illnesses, who had difficulties, who, need to re who needed to recalibrate themselves or who they truly were created to be. So Allah SWT tells us that, oh, you who believe. The interesting part is that you will think that this is something that is being told to someone who didn't have believe, right? Go and answer to Allah and his messenger. No, this is people who have already claimed belief, meaning that you have faith in Allah. It's not submission either. It's not people that just pray. No, there's belief inside of your heart. Then Allah SWT says, well, guess what? Yes, you believe, and yes, you're saying, I'm here, Ya Allah, and I'm trying, but you have to be consistent in answering to Allah and His Messenger. Because that is what, that they're calling you towards what gives you life. They're calling you towards what will, you know, help you be the best being that you can be. And then the rest of the ayah goes, and know that God comes between men and their heart, meaning that Allah SWT knows you more than you know yourself, right? Allah SWT says in, in another surah that he is closer to the human being than their juggler vein. So what Allah SWT is saying is that, listen, there are things that you think you can hide inside of you that God knows. Similarly, he's also saying that the effort and the consistency that you're trying and you're putting in, and then sometimes you fall, and you make a mistake, Allah knows all of that hard work that you've been trying. He knows it. He knows the difficulty that you're going through. He knows how you've been trying to fix that relationship, how you've been trying to be the better person, how you've been trying to be kind, how you've been trying to be consistent. He knows it. He knows it. And then Allah SWT says, and know that you will be returned and gathered to him, whether we want to go or not. Which brings us to the last couple of points, because I want to make sure we stop with enough time to go to the masjid to pray, Mother inshallah, where Allah SWT tells us the absolute importance of us when we're gathered and we're brought back to Allah, how we want to be brought back to him. So Allah SWT says, Yawma la that it will be the day that we're all resurrected and the day that we're brought back to Allah. It will be the day where there, no one will have any type of benefit, okay? They won't be benefited by their wealth, nor their children. And what this means is that the things that you feel like bring you a little bit of security and comfort, right? The love of your child, the love of your money. You feel like, okay, I'll, I'll be, I'm okay, you know? When, you're banking, when you look into your bank account, and you're thinking about going to buy, I hope nobody eats Taco Bell, but if you're thinking about going to buy Taco Bell, very so friendly. It's okay, I'll people on a daily basis about this Taco Bell debate, right? 
and you're thinking about it, and you see money in your account, you feel good. You're like, I'm okay. I'm good for the next couple of weeks. I'm fine, right? Next couple of months. On the day of judgment, it does not matter how much money you have. It does not matter how many friends you have. It does not matter how much family you have. It does not matter who loved you in this life and who loves you because nobody will love you in the next life, not in like a bad way, but it's like every person for themselves, right? Literally, Allah SWT describes their judgment like the simple fact that there are mothers and there's no greater love than a mother. A mother will leave their child because that is how terrifying that day is, that every person is worried about answering for themselves. So Allah SWT says, that, that is a day when no one will have any type of benefit, not even from their wealth, and not from their children. The only person that will have anything that will benefit them, that will help them on that day, is the one that comes to God with a heart that is sound, that is pure, that is submitting to Allah. That is what's going to help you. Your submission your pure heart, your clean heart, that's what's going to help you. But did it say perfect? No. It didn't say perfect. Allah SWT is not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to have tried and put in that effort. And if we can say confidently that, Ya Allah, I've tried, now put in that effort, then guess what? That is what it means to have a pure heart. So this entire series, inshallah, inshallah, we're going to all say a big inshallah, inshallah that we're gonna we're gonna try to continue is all about being able to purify our hearts and being able to get rid of even some of those elements that sometimes we attribute to other people we're like oh he she they're so jealous we're like oh this person's so angry this person's so this no okay we're here and we're looking within ourselves we're not learning things and labeling our family members give a whole little chart and then you're like okay put everybody in a group chat, you're like, so-and-so, this is you. You need to listen to this lecture. No, we're not doing that, okay? We're here, we're working on ourselves, we're working to purify ourselves, and we're gonna be going through these different illnesses and with their, alongside their cures and figuring out also how can we better our spiritual worship, right? So what are the things that we need to do to not only cure the illness, but also be proactive about it as well? So for example, something that gets you better at not having like negative thoughts is what's called liquor. But what does liquor mean, right? Because a lot of times we hear, do liquor, do liquor. What does it mean? It means being active in your relationship and your remembrance of Allah. Well, how does one be active in that? Well, it comes from understanding the different words that you're saying to do remembrance of Allah. So all of a sudden, if I'm going through something really difficult or really hard and I'm saying Allahu Akbar, that I'm saying Allah is greater than this difficulty. Does that make sense? So now I have a better thought of who God is. So now it's not like, oh, no one can get me out of this situation. It is Allah can get me out of the situation and Allah will get me out of the situation when the time is right. So these are the things that we're going to be going on this journey with together. And I just want to close off on one last quote that I read um, while I was preparing for this that I thought was so beautiful the author of this book, he says that the heart that takes you closer to Allah will always be engaged in things that remind you of Allah. And sometimes when we think of this, we things that remind us of Allah, we say like, oh, praying and fasting and doing dhikr, which is an absolute yes. 
you should do those things. But things that remind you of Allah is also things like traveling and seeing the world. It is also things like being in nature and seeing the trees and seeing water. It is also things like having family and showing gratefulness and gratitude to your family. It is also being kind to yourself. It is also taking care of your body. It is recognizing that this world is so much more than just you, right? And so the, the, the author, he says that the, the heart is that which takes you closer to Allah and keeps you engaged with things that remind you of Allah. And then he says, but the heart that is immersed in things that are negative or things that are not good for it, or things that pushes it towards further illness, then that heart becomes a barrier between you and Allah. And so this entire class is focused on us not getting in our own way. Because sometimes that is the biggest thing. We blame Shaitan for a lot of things. Ramadan comes around and we learn that it's all us, buddy. It's all us. And so we're here to pur purify that. We're here to make it better. And we're here to really try and be the best people that we possibly can. So I pray that Allah allows us to benefit from everything that we heard here today. I pray that Allah forgives us all of our shortcomings and that Allah allows us to be people who come to him because of Salim. I pray that Allah forgives us and our family members.